You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and while I am an attorney, the Buzz Off show is not legal advice. Instead, it's a weekly look at all of the technology buzz surrounding drones, autonomous vehicles, the Internet of Things, and all the gadgets and gizmos in between. Find us each Wednesday from 2 to 3 in the afternoon on AmericasWebRadio.com, but also find podcast versions under Lawyer Liz via iTunes or your other favorite streaming services. And up this week for discussion, how are drones impacting the hurricane response from emergency first responders to getting in and rebuilding with the infrastructure Uh, Utility companies and other surveying and damage inspections will have Ryan English from Flymotion, who has, he and his teams have been conducting different surveying and rescue operations throughout the state of Florida in the wake of Hurricane Irma. But before we get to all of the activity and really the regulatory changes that have enabled this technology to roll out as a true disaster response, recovery, and rebuild effort. We'll look at, of course, talk first about some of the issues with Equifax and when 143 million individuals are impacted by a breach, what happens and what are some of the interesting aspects to come out of, or let's say bright spots, so to speak, but talk about Apple's latest and greatest announcements with the iPhone, autonomous vehicles, as well as, and get things started off with a little bit of a bust, uh, but at the same time, a reminder to patch your stuff, the Blueborn, a Bluetooth device vulnerability that opens up these devices to man-in-the-middle attacks. That means that someone is coming in not necessarily with direct access to your device, but coming in, accessing it, and then using it for other purposes. And in some cases, the devices, and when we're talking about this, we're talking about potentially five 5.3 billion Bluetooth-enabled devices from computers to smartphones to any of the IoT-connected devices, the smart TVs, and some automobile uh, systems. And what happens, it's it's an airborne delivery or attack vector that could result in not only your device... uh, getting uh, used for malicious purposes itself, but also uh, using it to infect others. So someone comes in and they do a man-in-the-middle attack where they remotely execute the code and take over your device. Well, what does that actually mean? Think about with Apple and their 
AirPods, the new earbuds that utilize uh, Bluetooth connections rather than wires to get your music. Well, you don't always remember to turn off the Bluetooth enabled or you're sitting working in the coffee shop using your iPods and or AirPods because you don't have a choice. Depending on which version of the iPhone you have, you no longer have an earphone jack. And so when you have these devices or you have this Bluetooth enabled, unfortunately, you're now susceptible. The good news is that Google and Microsoft have already announced patches and in some cases rolled out patches back in July. But what has not been patched are some versions of Apple and iOS devices, iOS being the operating system utilized by numerous of the Mac and Apple products. So wait and see. But in the meantime, it's one of those what what happens, what's next, and hoping that no one is utilizing this attack while you have the Bluetooth enabled. So in other words, turn it off, update, patch your stuff, because patching is unfortunately one of the things that Equifax did not do. And it be it because of the issues and what happens when it's, it's easy, when it's just your computer, your device, you have automatic updates. But when you're talking of millions of devices or hundreds of thousands of devices within your computer network, your employees using things, it becomes a little bit harder to roll out the patches. How are they going to impact other applications or if you, if there's a glitch in the patch. So in this case, Equifax though did not. And 143 million of us now have our credit information uh, stolen out there on the black market. And it's not as if with, for example, the Apple's uh, new iPhone, the iPhone 10 utilizes facial recognition and scans your face so that you can, with a glance, with a look, tell it, give it a command and tell it, tell your phone to do things, answer the call, you know, avoid the call, etc. Well, just as you can't change your face, you can't easily uh, change your fingerprints. Well, you also can't change your social security number, your date of birth, and other information associated with your credit reporting. So I've, and hopefully, or I'm sure y'all have also seen the uh, jokes circulating the uh, various social media and internet where I have now instructed all of my employees every six months to not only update their password, but update and change their social security number uh, to include different uh, characters or not repeat numbers to add alphanumeric. I mean, it's, what do you do? Well, unfortunately that, uh, cat is already out of the bag or the horse is out of the barn and being able to change that information that's gone what you can do and what several states have done is started filing lawsuits being a lawyer of course i'm curious and keen to see how that's going 
But not only do you have the class action lawsuits, do you have the state attorney generals filing lawsuits, but Chatbot, which launched in all 50 states back in July, not only can help you with your parking tickets without the need for a lawyer, but now it's launched Do Not Pay Bot for small claims court that they will help you file the negligence actions against Equifax using Do Not Pay, where you can demand the maximum damages. So by using a an automated chat bot, you can request damages depending on the state. For example, Rhode Island and Kentucky, maximum uh, damages for small claims court are $2,500. Well, Tennessee permits maximum damages to be claimed up to $25,000. So you've taken away the barrier for entry of hiring an attorney and going through that and simplified the process. Well, how is that going to revolutionize or how is that going to change both the legal industry, but also responses that companies are going to have to now, in addition to fixing and patching and having the technology response to the breach, sending out the notices as required by different states and such, but now have the additional, the expenses for defending against lawsuits is going to have to go up because you're going to have to hire more attorneys or the workload is going to be greater as the attorneys respond to and defend against all of these lawsuits. So keep an eye. It's a fascinating use of the technology. And while a chat bot can't or uh, a bot can't give you necessarily or at least with the AI now, can't help you uh, make the decision of, is this the best option, course of action? Do I want to pursue a different case? How should it give you that advice that a lawyer could? It does, it simplifies the process. And by filing in small claims court, you're not prohibited uh, from then joining one of the future class actions. So, there's you lose the personal touch, but you gain the ability to sue with at a cheaper entry cost. So now what happens when all of our technology and Internet of Things are looking at different, you know, as, as we're all becoming connected, what happens to that in the disaster recovery? What happens in the wake of the Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, uh, Jose, and some of the other storms that are bearing down? What happens even just in a power failure when you're reliant on these devices? Well, to some degree, the FAA has been very helpful and learning from Hurricane Matthew and now building on with Hurricane Harvey and Irma, the FAA has been updating and really rolling out, encouraging drone operators and companies to work with local first responders to uh, rolling out and expediting the certificate of authorization waiver process, putting out blanket COAs, that permit commercial operations under certain conditions. But 
the benefit to that is now you're getting to see the full, some of the full benefits of early inspections, the mapping, being able to identify which roads are passable, which roads are not, that surveying and helping the utility companies get back up online, helping the cellular networks uh, and some of the infrastructure, critical infrastructure, because one thing you're not going to see with the when the critical infrastructure is down is your Tesla will not be able to charge. You will not be able to uh, get your smartphone devices if you're depending on certain alerts for when to take medication or uh, do some of those very basic things that we're now relying on the Internet of Things. That ability has gone away when the power is out. So up after the break, we will chat with Ryan English from Flymotion, who has had uh, at various times between 16 and 22 uh, teams out flying drones for first response, for assisting with critical infrastructure, and all over the state of Florida, and getting some insights on what goes into that and how the regulatory framework is helping some hindrances, all of that up next on Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, again, on America's Web Radio. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. And as I mentioned before the break, there's been a lot going on in the drone and unmanned systems world as we've seen everyone start rolling out their disaster response plans. And for the first time, really on a national stage, highlighting all the benefits this technology can bring. And as promised, we have Ryan English, who is the president and co-founder of Flymotion, who has himself been knee-deep in the floodwaters, manning, uh, I believe y'all are up to 22 different teams deployed throughout the state of Florida. But a big welcome to Ryan. Thanks for joining the show today. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, definitely uh, glad to be on and um, appreciate you having me. Of course. I mean, if you if anyone has been watching the unmanned systems, the drone response, both in the immediate uh, aftermath to now as it transitions, hopefully you've seen what Flymotion has been doing because y'all have really been on the forefront with Hurricane Irma. I mean, I it's almost it's almost as good as the Weather Channel uh and CNN watching their poor weather reporters tied to, you know, railings and trees not to go. I mean, y'all provide all kinds of updates. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been fantastic, and um, you know we're definitely definitely excited to uh, to be involved, and um, it's been it's been a great experience for for all of us. So now you're currently working out of which location? Uh, myself, I'm I'm currently in the uh, Fort Lauderdale area, um, running our UAS operations for uh, all of our teams throughout the state. So I've been. Uh, this will be uh, day eleven now. Um, we we pre-deployed um, about uh, sixteen teams uh, throughout the state, and so I've been uh, knee deep uh, in it with them since uh, since day one, and uh, rode the storm out, and uh, have been uh, obviously running things uh, since then, and um, it's been uh, fantastic. What uh, an incredible opportunity! Well, and fantastic is only one who enjoys both technology and uh, being in the thick of emergency response uh, can say. I mean, some of us would consider fantastic at a weekend at the Ritz with uh, you know, room service. But give us a little bit of a picture of the what, I mean, you, you said you pre-deployed, so how far in advance did y'all start planning uh, where you would send people and how many teams to send? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we already had our core processes in place as far as logistics and, and moving people and where they needed to go. It just was a matter of, of plugging them into the places. So uh, we've, we've, had, we've had the process in place for uh, quite some time. Um, you know, well over 18 months, and it really was just a matter of standing things up and moving them into the positions that they needed to go. Uh, so, you know, it was uh, it was a test uh, for us, especially on the pre-deployment, and I think uh, we definitely excelled um, beyond uh, what I had anticipated. So how many teams are we talking about now? You, you said you plan to pre-deploy 16, but that's not the true scope of it. Yeah, so uh, we we originally uh, pre-deployed 16 teams. Um, uh, that's uh, obviously uh, before the storm came. That way they were in strategic positions throughout the state uh, to ride out the storm. And then uh, once, once the storm passed, they were in areas that they could uh, quickly access and uh, get out there to immediately start operations. And the the whole point, um, you know, of course, behind that is, you know, there, there may be areas that are inaccessible and different things like that. And so what it allows them to do is to not have to travel to an area, but they're already, they're already there. Um, we also have additional teams that, uh, we have, uh, spooled up our other pilot teams, uh, since then for some post-disaster, uh, assessments and inspections, and um, we currently have about 22 teams operating. So from 16 to 22, tell us what what all does it entail when you say you have a team, from equipment to staff to aircraft. I mean, give us a give us a little peek behind the curtain. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, of course there's, there's a lot, uh, logistically, you know, everything from personnel to equipment, um, to, uh, supplies and, uh, you know, what we call, uh, a go, go kit, 
um, you know, which is a variety of different things that they're going to need to sustain operations. Um, you know, uh, like so how many how many staff members are there? Because you obviously will have. Do you have more than one pilot with each team, or uh, how do you adjust that or set what a team is going to look like? Yeah, so a uh, a team uh, will typically a lot of times be a uh, a pilot and a VO, um, just depending on on the specific mission. Uh, and I was going to say, for those not in the know, uh, VO is visual observer. Yes, correct. And um, uh, so there's there's that. Uh, there's also, of course, the logistics component. Um, you know, our, our flight operations manager, um, and then myself that are. You know, of course, overseeing all the day-to-day missions and operations as well as, you know, making sure uh, from a logistics standpoint that the teams are where they need to be and that they have the necessary uh, pieces um, uh, to sustain operations. And so, uh, you know, that's, of course, you know, we're working in one area and they they may be, you know, hours away from us, um, hundreds of miles. And so just making sure that... uh, you know, we maintain uh, communications with them and that they are able to to operate efficiently and complete uh, what what their mission is for that day. Now, what is the aircraft of choice that y'all are using for Florida right now? Uh, we are predominantly flying DJI systems, um, a variety of different models. And are they, do you, determine what cameras or what uh, what kind of imaging you're going to be getting based on the mission or is it something that you have kind of the standard this is what we're going to do but if if needs change uh, is that equipment all sent with the pilot and the VO or do y'all tweak it once you've assess the situation uh we have we have moved around some different air assets uh particularly some specialized equipment with specialized sensors um but for the most part um most all of our teams have multiple systems uh that they can fly and operate depending on the specific mission uh of that day and you know sometimes there's uh, there's an operation that uh they may fly you know multiple different uh types of systems um you know, during an operation, depending on what they're needing to uh, to do and capture. Now, what you talk about, like the communications network, how had, how do y'all plan around the fact that in some cases cell towers may be damaged or um, electricity may be out? Uh, what sort of uh, planning goes into pre planning goes into those? Yeah, so, of course, you know, from power, we have uh, both uh, small and large generator systems. Um, we also, uh, down here, like I said, in uh, where I'm at in Fort Lauderdale, we have our mobile command center, which is completely self-contained that we're running operations out of. Uh, we also, from a communication standpoint, uh, of course, the LTE uh, wireless infrastructure did take uh, an impact during the disaster. And it was something that, uh, you know, we already had planned for that. And we have uh, protocols in place uh, via satellite systems. And so we've got, uh, you know, flyaway SAT systems and uh, vehicle-based SAT systems that, uh, 
you know, we, we deployed um, for uh, communications as needed. So it sounds like y'all really have your own, I mean, does each team, I'm picturing the storm chasers or like uh, when we start talking about the Avengers, you know, these mobile commands, you know, really Batman and all of his toys is, does everybody have their own Batmobile is what you're saying? (laughs) We, uh, we do have a lot of, uh, a lot of vehicle assets uh, deployed that have a variety of different, uh, components um in them it just it just really depends and you know of course we have we have moved assets to different locations depending on the needs you know that's one of the things that is unique about a disaster is you know you can you can pre-plan as much as you as much as you want but there is always uh you know what i murphy's law or the wrench that's thrown into the system uh, that, you know, you have to adapt and overcome. And I think, uh, you know, we, we have those, um, abilities already built in place. And so, like I said, we've, we've definitely had to move some, move and shift some things around. Um, you know, some areas of course were hit harder than others. Some communications were completely down. Others were, you know, limited service. Some they weren't affected, uh, you know, some loss of power, some without, um, and so, you know, like I said, we, we have the assets already deployed and we facilitate and move things as needed, uh, to different, uh, locations. Now, what kind of battery life are you getting from the aircraft? I mean, all that of course is dependent on the weather conditions mm-hmm. that they're flying in, but at the height of, you know, when y'all are deploying at the beginning of the storm or, you know, towards the end, have you seen kind of improvement in that? How do you plan around those contingencies? Yeah. So most of the systems that we uh, have been flying uh, during our operations have uh, a battery life of anywhere from about 20 upwards to 30 minutes. Um, That really has not been an issue. We have uh, many, many uh, battery packs, that, you know, if, if obviously if we need to continue flight, which in most cases we do, uh, we land, change out batteries, and then continue operations. Now, do you all have self-contained uh, communication systems so that it, at the very least at the uh, site where you're flying, you may not be able to get the data back to your command center, but you've, you've at least got stable flight operations? Yes, Yes, uh, we, we do. And, um, uh, we also, um, you know, have, we've, we've tested and evaluated a lot of different, uh, uh, products that, um, uh, we've been working with some partners on that, uh, have not been released yet. And, um, <laughs> excuse me, that's been one of the uh, very exciting things is, is being able to, uh, to test you know, different things in a actual real world operation, not a scenario, not training, uh, real world. And, um, there's, there's a lot of different things that we've had deployed with our teams, uh, both software and hardware solutions that, um, have really, uh, been able to maximize the operations and the efficiencies as well. Well, excellent. Well, thank you. We're talking with Ryan from Fly Motion and we're going to jump to our first commercial break and we come back delve into really what y'all've seen and get into a little bit more of what's been unique about Irma but you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio 
whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Talking with Ryan English from Fly Motion. And Fly Motion has been really taking the lead on getting out there with in Florida with Hurricane Irma. And so before you start planning and getting into the hurricane response, I mean, we've seen the aerial footage, but so many industries, uh, be it the communication to the search and rescue to even just utilities are coming in and this is, not necessarily the first test, but the first big deployment statewide. And, Ryan, you were talking with us before the break about, I mean, you've got 22 teams of, at the very least, two, you know, the pilot, the observer, all the equipment, and really your own mobile unit across the state. How did this come together? I mean, you hear that there's going to be a, a hurricane that has Florida in its sights, and y'all are a Tampa-based company, but you're operating all over the country. How did how did you start putting that plan into action of where we were going to send people and pull resources from? Yeah, so you know, we we really had had already had the plan in place. Um, it just was a matter of of implementing it really. And, uh, you know, of course, this isn't something that, um, you know, 24 or 48 hours, um, you know, it, with advance notice that you can really put together, um, you know, you really obviously are have to have an operational plan already in place for uh, for quite some time to be able to deploy um, these types of assets on the scale that we've done. And so uh, we had already had that in place and, uh, you know, finally rolled it out in a, uh, you know, real world operation. And, uh, I think things have, have gone off, uh, beyond what I, what I expected, um, in a very positive manner. And, uh, things have been very successful up to this point. Now, did you have some of this in mind? Granted, Florida missed a large part of the brunt of Hurricane Matthew, but around this time last year, you know, everyone was being told it, Another historic hurricane had Florida in its sights. Was that something y'all were waiting to go into then, or did some of it crystallize really with Hurricane Irma? Uh, no, we had uh, uh, for Hurricane Matthew as well. We had uh, that was really kind of the first true test of uh, deploying assets um, 
and really kind of testing our operation. And, you know, of course, with Hurricane Irma, it's, it's basically been the actual, you know, not the test, but the actual let's, let's go to work and let's do it. Um, this is not a drill kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we prepared and we had process in place for Matthew and, uh, had already, you know, basically we've, all we've done is, is, you know, we've changed some processes, improved some processes for, uh, for this year. But, you know, with Matthew last year, um, we had already, you know, tested this and, uh, you know, knew, knew what to expect and knew what to, knew what to do. And, uh, like I said, I think everything has, has, uh, uh, been very successful. Now, when you start seeing the spaghetti hurricane prediction models on, I mean, do y'all target certain areas? Do you start taking a betting pool of, okay, who's got Orlando? Uh, you know, when you have areas like St. Petersburg and Tampa, that really hadn't seen a direct hit in what 70 60 years how does that play into the the process yeah um so you know i i think you know from our perspective i mean yeah it's it's you know it's it's one of those i mean that's that's where i guess a hurricane is kind of unique in that perspective is the fact that um you know, you, you do know it's coming. Um, obviously there is a lot of variables as, as we've seen through, throughout these types of storms, but, um, uh, you know, it's eventually coming. And so, you know, of course there is some, uh, pre-planning that you can do and positioning, uh, different assets strategically, um, which is obviously what, you know, what was done. The, um, you know, much different than, than a, uh, you know, disaster that, that just happens and you, you have to react immediately in that, in that moment. So, um, I think from that perspective, that was, that was at least, um, beneficial, uh, for us. Now, what sort of, it, you're all hunkered down in hotel rooms. It, does it feel bizarre to be heading towards the storm when everyone is going the opposite direction on the interstates? You know, um, it, it was, it was a little odd, um, you know, to, uh, to see, you know, the interstate system completely gridlocked, um, you know, going north out of the state of Florida. And of course we're, uh, we're heading, you know, south and, and going into different places that, uh, people were evacuating. Um, you know, from my perspective, uh, that's something I've been doing, you know, pretty much my, my entire life. Is, is going into places where where others are, are leaving, and so you know, for me, I, it's it's more the norm, um, you know. And I <laughs> I sometimes uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, talk to people, and they're like, I don't understand why you do it, and you know, I, I mean, to me, it's just that's that's always what I've done, so that's that's what I know, and you know, throughout my my different careers in in public safety, and of course with the Coast Guard and things like that, and so. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's not really odd. I, I understand to a lot of people it, it may be, um, but you know, for us, it's, it's not. And, and the, of course, you know, not just me, when I, when I speak of, of me, I'm speaking for, you know, our personnel as well. You know, a lot of our personnel, uh, come with a, uh, very diverse background, a lot of them in, you know, public safety, you know, first responders and things like that. So they've, 
they've been well uh, versed and well experienced in those types of operations as well. You know, of course, they're they're high stress um, environments, but um, you know, they've they've performed amazingly and uh, done a fantastic job out here, all of them. Well, in I'm sure there are times when you're kind of questioning, going, "What am I doing?" As the winds are whipping around, but what what goes into your uh, supply go bag from a snack standpoint? I mean, if you're not sure if the uh, power is going to hold and you're going to be holed up in perhaps an unfamiliar uh, hotel area. But do you have a, wa- a local Waffle House that you have also plotted out? Because we know there's the Waffle House Index. Do you put a lot of Twinkies in the bag because th- you know they'll stay f- well fresh as long as the world still exists? It, how what's that side of the planning like for you? Yeah, so we don't uh, we don't plan to rely on anything um, within the the infrastructure. Um, or the, you know, cities, counties, anything like that that we are deploying to. We are completely 100% self-reliant. So, uh, of course, we bring a, a lot of uh, fluids, particularly water, and a lot of the uh, food and whatnot that we bring are, are dry goods. Um, and, uh, you know, for this particular operation, uh, we had uh, food and water, uh, established for a minimum of five days of sustained operations, um, knowing that, of course, after that time we would we would then have some different uh, uh, systems in in place and online to to support beyond that. But uh, we had um, we definitely were were well prepared, and you know that goes even as far as uh, fuel, you know, because of course we're running generators and things like that. So you know we had extra uh, fuel. Uh, uh, supplies with us and uh, really like I said every everything to to sustain uh, multiple days of operations and not have to rely on anything uh, in the areas that we were operating in and did you pre-coordinate with local law enforcement or local rescue operations or you know any of the communities within which you were going to be, you knew you would be operating post, you know, once the winds died down. Uh, I was, I was in communication um, with some different government organizations. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they knew we were out here operating and uh, what kind of resources we had and could pull from those uh, as needed, you know, Fortunately, we've got a lot of a lot of relationships that we've developed over you know several years in the uh, you know public safety community. So you know, I had I had uh, a lot of people reaching out to me and uh, offering their support and assistance uh, if we needed it, and um, you know they they knew uh, what we were doing and and essentially um, you know what type of resources that we had available uh, if they needed any of those. And you see a lot of people volunteering or uh, kind of, hey, I've got aircraft, I've got, you know, I'm a Part 107 pilot. Uh, what sort of vetting did y'all already have uh, predetermined, you know, as you scaled up, uh, pilots, aircraft equipment in mind, or do you keep folks on retainer, or did you have to pull them from staffing from other projects y'all might have been working on across the country? 
Uh, we we had uh, kind of a, a variety there. So we we did pull uh, some people from from some other projects uh, that were not you know high priority projects uh, and diverted them uh, to this to this operation. Uh, but we also had uh, personnel in place specifically for uh, this type of event as well. Now, what sort of work have y'all been doing almost in the immediate aftermath of once you could get outside? A lot of it has been, uh, you know, damage assessments and, uh, you know, just providing, um, you know, real-time feedback of uh, what's what's going on and what the uh, – what kind of the scene looks like. And then have you seen a shift? I mean, you're day 11 uh, in what you're doing or being asked to do now. Uh, yes. Um, you know, we, we have, um, and you know, actually what's, what's been a little unique, um, which I, I think is, is kind of uh, the opposite of what I what I initially anticipated. Is um, a lot of the operations um, I think to initially spool up. Uh, there was less flight operations being done, and now we're seeing uh, every day more flight operations being done. And uh, you say being done by your by your team or by other teams in by, the area? By by our teams. Okay, and. Uh, from a variety of different uh, industries or requests, or is it folks getting in the, within the same industry just getting on the bandwagon? Uh, I I think um, you know for us it's you know we're working uh, with with several verticals right now, and um, so I think you know one one of the things that I think is has really happened is you know with with Irma following so close after uh, Harvey and you know of course a lot of news reports showing the benefits of drone technology um, people were were much more accepting and uh, there was there was a lot more request for UAS and drone operations to be done uh, during Hurricane Irma and so um, I think that's I think that's really helped things and uh, you know propel um, we've we've been averaging uh, over 50 flights per day. That's fascinating to see how that's grown. We'll get into a little bit more of that right after this commercial break. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? 
and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. Catch us each week on America's Web Radio or find the podcast versions of the Lawyer Liz podcast on americaswebradio.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcast streaming service. So I've been talking today with Ryan English, the co-founder and CEO of uh, Flymotion, and Flymotion is currently um, in the midst of their Hurricane Irma uh, deployment, and uh, hopefully their Twinkie supplies have lasted through day 11 and continue to go forth, but We've been chatting with Ryan in part about one, their pre-planning and really what's gone into in the coordination for uh, Hurricane Irma. So, uh, Ryan, what's different this go-round other than the, the magnitude of the storm itself? Um, you know, I, I think uh, from our perspective, it's uh, I wouldn't say, you know, that there's necessarily one thing that's different. Um, I think, you know, anytime during a, uh, you know, an emergency response operation, there is, um, it's, it's a very dynamic and fluid situation that, uh, they're, they're always different. And there's always, there's always different things that, uh, that come up during the, during the operations. And, uh, so, you know, from our perspective, I think was, um, just, uh, being prepared, being ready, and uh, executing on uh, those processes that we already had had in place, and so um, you know, I I, I uh, think everything is is gone. Um, you know, <laughs> the best that I could uh, best that I could have hoped for, and has uh, has gone on uh, very well. Well, what are some of the lessons learned, or things that say that really stuck in your mind? Of ooh, we need to maybe we did this by accident this time, but absolutely this needs to be incorporated into our SOP going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, we, we had, uh, a lot of plans in place. Um, you know, like I was mentioned, uh, regarding some of the, uh, backup communication systems, uh, via our satellite systems and our mobile command center and things like that. And so I think, uh, you know, that's, that was one of the things that was really a, a true test in making, making sure that we, we had that stuff, uh, working, um, which, which worked out, uh, quite well. So just, you know, making sure that we, we of course have, uh, the means to, to communicate, um, you know, uh, information is, is power and without being able to, to get the information out, um, you know, we're, we were, would have been kind of dead in the water. 
Now, it, was there a favorite MacGyver moment that you thought, huh, didn't know that could do that, but that'll work and we'll pretend like we planned it? Um, you know, there's, I, I plan to do a full after action report once, uh, once we go ahead and end operations. And, you know, I've, I've got a lot of different notes that, um, have, have, uh, happened over, over the past, uh, you know, week and a half now and, um, nothing, not one that just particular stands out. Um, I think just, you know, overall there's, there's been a lot of, um, you know, lessons that, uh, lessons that I think we've learned, um, things that, uh, you know, we've looked at and, and, you know, had, had prepared for and that we've, we've had in place. And it's like, wow, that, okay, it, it worked, you know, as, as we needed it to, um, you know, but no, no real, uh, you know, MacGyver moment, uh, stands out specifically. I mean, I, there's gotta be something satisfying about it what you have you know, seen it only in ink and paper and kind of be like, holy cow, that actually worked. We really did that. Have you had a chance to breathe a little bit and enjoy some of those moments? Um, no, not, uh, not, not yet. I, um, it's, uh, you know, things are still, things are still very busy. Um, and so, you know, I'm still, only getting about, uh, you know, four to five hours of sleep, um, you know, which is, which is of course much, much more than I was getting, um, you know, a week ago, but, uh, there, uh, there's still, um, you know, a, a lot of work to be done. And I think, you know, once, once I'm able to, to complete operations here and, and wind this down that I think I'll be able to, uh, reflect a little bit more clearly on some of those things. Well, thank you for taking the time that or interrupting y'all's uh, efforts to join us. And what we will be sure to do is bring you back once you've had a chance to do the, the post-mortem uh, and get some thoughts because uh, it truly is different. I mean, this is the first time we're seeing the FAA really jump into action. I mean, how quickly were y'all receiving? I mean, you heard uh, from the deputy administrator and some of the FA folks last week that, you know, they've got blanket uh, authorizations and waivers in place for pretty much the entire state. Ordinarily, those would take 90 days to get in place. I mean, what what are some of the logistics and administrative things that y'all are seeing different this go-round? Um, I think, you know, from our perspective, the FA has, uh, been very, very accommodating to the requests that have, uh, been put forth and, uh, you know, in a, in a very timely fashion. I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the FA obviously being a government agency, we all know government doesn't, uh, always, um, move as quick as we would all like him, them to. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, you know, I talk to the FA on a very regular basis. Um, and, uh, you know, their, their whole goal is not to, um, you know, hold up operations. They just have policies and procedures that they need to, that they need to follow. Um, but I think, uh, you know, during the operations that we've seen, um, they have been, they, like I said, they've been very accommodating to the requests and making sure that, um, you know, we're, we're receiving the authorizations that uh, we need for flight operations. 
Now, is there coordination between and communication between different groups that say you're working on a project for a utility company, maybe uh, an insurance company has an uh, another company? I mean, I know uh, everyone would say that they are the best. They should be the only ones being hired. But, you know, in the off chance someone has hired one of your competitors or you know, is there communication between teams in the area? Um, no, not, uh, we have not been, been any in, in any communication with, uh, with other teams or organizations. Um, everything, uh, the, all of our communications have, have been pretty much, uh, internal and working, uh, working internally with, with our teams. How do you, how do we solve it? I mean, cause that's one of the issues that the drone industry and challenges is not only that communication between, I mean, aircraft, now t- traditional manned aircraft, you, you have communication systems so that you can find out who's flying in the area and know that. But how do we address that when it comes to unmanned systems? As far as the, uh, just communicate, knowing who else is who else is in the airspace. I mean, it's you you can visibly see a drone, but you don't necessarily know where it's coming from. If it is it a hobbyist, sure. is it local law enforcement, or is it another? I mean, obviously you would know if it was a fly motion team, but how do you know it's not one of the other commercial operators? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think that is one of the uh, the challenges that. Um, you know, there is, um, and you know, there's, there's several, um, possible solutions that, uh, you know, that I've seen presented, um, by some of our different partners that will, uh, provide an answer to, uh, to some of those problems. Um, I can't get into any specifically at this time, but, uh, I will tell you that I have, I have seen, um, some different, uh, solutions that uh, I think, like I said, will, will be a good answer to uh, to that. Well, we will try to uh, tease some of those uh, sneak peeks out from you another time. But no, it's just, it. what do you do? I know some of the local law enforcement have said, well, what if we paint our aircraft a specific color? So that if you see that color in the vicinity, you can say, oh, that is probably, you know, Understanding that that's never a, a golden, you know, cure all, but seeing some of that, what are, what else, what are some of the other break out your crystal ball, your magic eight ball things that you've, as this process is getting underway and continues for y'all that say, ooh, jot this down. We need to work on this or I foresee this not being a problem next time. Um, I think, you know, uh, like, like I was saying, I think, I think overall, um, you know, uh, from our perspective, our operations have, have really, uh, gone off, uh, without any major challenges at all. Um, you know, once, once we go ahead and, you know, uh, provide our after action report, uh, internally, um, you know, with all of our teams and whatnot after uh, operations are complete, I think, you know, we'll probably identify some things that we could, we could improve. I think any, in any operation, you, you can always identify things that, uh, uh, can be improved. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not here to say that, uh, you know, our processes and our, 
are, uh, you know, that we're, we're better than, um, you know, to not be able to, uh, to be, you know, I- improved. And so, uh, you know, I, say from an industry standpoint, do you see, do you see that being something where companies would be willing to get together and have, I mean, the drone industry up till now has been a fairly communicative group that look, we're all moving the ball forward. Are there, do you see ways that that can improve or have those conversations or even what can the FAA, what can local law enforcement, you know, what changes do you think would be helpful next time? Uh, I think, um, you know, I think, um, interagency communications, um, are always, are always important. Um, you know, in, in any type of large scale operation, there's, there's a lot of different, uh, things going on logistically. So, um, I think, uh, you know, making sure that everybody is, is communicating and knows what the other is doing, I think is, is definitely a value. Well, where can people find out some more information about what Flymotion has been doing? Or because I've seen some of the videos and uh, discussions, but share for our listeners. Yeah, they can. Uh, you know, of course, uh, our corporate office is based in Tampa, Florida. Um, they can go to our website, which is www.flymotionus.com. F L Y M O T I O N U S dot com, and. Uh, uh, Right on our website, they can actually subscribe to our weekly debrief, um, which we put out a lot of information about what we're doing and uh, some of the different uh, solutions, services, and uh, operations that um, that we're involved in. Um, and so, you know, and, and always uh, feel free to give us a call. They can, uh, you know, find all our contact information on the website. Give us a call. Shoot us an email. Uh, we're happy to. Happy to talk to you. Happy to answer uh, questions. Well, excellent. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. We'll call that to be continued. And with apologies to Rob Graham, that our entertainment and political correspondent, we just, Rob, we ran out of time once again. But thank you to listening. Thank you to America's Web Radio. You've been listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.